Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their word to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Thank you. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way you reveal yourself to us, that you have not um, left us to wonder what you are like, but you have given us example upon example, um, image and illustration upon image and illustration. You have given us a, a, a great expanse before us in creation to begin to just get a, 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 a barely a glimpse, a taste of who you are and what you are like. God, we pray uh, that your word would illuminate your nature for us, that as we seek you in these moments, God, that your word would give us um, a greater sense uh, of just how wonderful and marvelous you are. God, we come to you as needy people, needy and desperate for so many things, desperate for so many things that we, we think we need, but we know, God, and we confess in this moment, you are our greatest need. Whatever else we come with today, we come dependent upon you and desperate for you. Bless this time that we get to share. In Christ's name, amen. An author named Paul David Tripp wrote a, a book where he opens up with different little short scenes that I wanted to quote a, a handful of them to you as we start this morning. Here's, here's a few of them. They, they all describe... Uh, people who are in search of what he calls awe, A-W-E, awe. As the crane hoisted the sign in place, the man felt as if life had been worth living. It was a rather small real estate firm, but he had built it. He owned it. It was his. As he stood in front of his storefront, he felt like he had conquered the world, and he felt he could do anything. He felt the buzz of success, and it felt so good. She must have dialed that radio station's number a thousand times with the hope that she would get free tickets to see the best band ever. She had all their recordings. She was a member of their fan club. She had saved up to buy a signed poster, but she had never heard them live. This was her best chance. Then her heart raced as a voice on the other end of the line greeted her. It was finally going to happen. She couldn't believe it. The boy had seen them in the mall, 2013 Nike Air Jordan 1 retros, white, red, and black. They were so cool. They were almost $200, though. How could he ever convince his parents to buy them for him? It just seemed impossible. He couldn't get the Air Jordans out of his mind. He had to find a way. He simply needed those sneakers. She was on a quest, and not just any quest. It felt like the most important quest of her life. Sam had actually asked her to go to the prom, and now she was on a quest for the perfect dress. Not just any dress. It had to be the ultimate, most beautiful prom dress ever. 
As she went from store to store, she imagined the dress and the moment when Sam would pick her up and see her in that gown, and he would be stunned and immediately want to spend the rest of his life with her. You get the idea. From person to person, we all are hardwired for just a sense of wonder and splendor and awe, and we search out things that we think are awesome, <laughs> whether it be a new pair of shoes or a dress or being on the top of our business game. We, looking, we are all looking for the sense that this, this thing, this moment, this time we've arrived to, this is awesome. We have the capacity, we have been created with the ability to appreciate things that are wonderful. And God in His great wisdom and blessing and graciousness has filled our lives and filled our creation with things that are awesome and wonderful. From waterfalls to skyscrapers, from blooming flowers to the Eiffel Tower, there are plenty of things that give us the sense of, wow, that is cool. We have that deep in our DNA to want to worship something, to want to praise, to want to enjoy and delight in and find wonder in it. But the problem is, ever since the fall, we have been putting that sense of wow and wonder and awe in the wrong place. We have a desire, we have a, a temptation, a pull away from our Creator and to the things that are created. Instead of seeing the created things as signposts to their creator, we worship the things that are made by his hands. And so often we take the gift from the creator and forget to turn and celebrate and thank the one who gave the gift. Our hearts are drawn to the things of this world. We are right to be enthralled and filled with a sense of wonder. We were created for worship. We were created for awe. But where our sense of awe leads, where we direct that, so often is misplaced. We, we have a sense of awe and it needs to be shaped to, to be in the right direction. It needs to be directed in the right place. And one of the places the Bible most uh, clearly shapes our sense of awe and wonder is the book of Psalms. Perhaps you're familiar with this, a very common book, a very famous part of the Bible, right in the middle of your Bible, 150 chapters. It is full of wonder and splendor and awe and the full spectrum of human emotions. The Psalms are a, a hymn book. They are songs. They're a poetry book. It is poetry recorded for us. And they are also our prayers. These are inspired, divinely inspired songs or prayers that God has led people to write and for us to then sing and pray back to God Himself. And when we do, they shape the way that we celebrate. They shape what we rejoice in. They shape our sense of awe and wonder. This summer, as we did a number of summers ago, I, I'm gonna, we're going to pick through just a, a variety of, of psalms over the course of the next couple months. But my, my goal, my plan, my hope for you is that these will shape our sense of wonder. They'll shape our sense of awe, the thing that, that most captivates our hearts, that it would be shaped toward God Himself, the Creator of all things. That's certainly the invitation of Psalm 19, where we will begin this morning. C.S. Lewis wrote about Psalm 19. He said, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. Since it's my text for today, I won't argue with him. 
In a couple weeks, I might pick a different favorite. But today, this is one of the best ever. If you're looking at Psalm 19, you may see it's got three sections, six verses about the sky, five verses about God's Word, and three verses of personal prayer, all 14 verses centered around God's glory. And if you're looking at the bulletin that was printed on Friday by my request, you'll notice that there are three points that would very nicely flow with all three, three sections of Psalm 19. However, the more time that I spent in Psalm 19, we're not going to make it past point one today. We'll pick up the rest of this psalm at some point soon. So we're just going to make it to that very first point in your bulletin, which means I need to re-give a title to, the, to, your, to your bulletin there. I think I've got the sky and scripture. Let's just call it The Sky is Preaching. The Sky is Preaching. That's a good title for today. And just your first and only point for your bulletin is this. Listen as the sky proclaims God's glory for all to hear. Listen to this. The sky is proclaiming God's glory for all to hear. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. The sky, the thing above our heads, is preaching. It is proclaiming. It is giving a declaration. It's taking place right now, though hidden by our ceiling currently in view. But hopefully you saw it at some point between waking and entering this building. The sky above is proclaiming. It is preaching to us. I, I, I was up before the sun this morning because it's Sunday. That's what I do. And so I saw the sky, dark, totally pitch black this morning. And as it began to get light, it was cloudy, very cloudy this morning. And as the sun warmed the clouds, the clouds separated out. And by the time I was on the way here, it was almost completely blue skies. The sky is preaching something to us today. It is proclaiming a message loud and clear. But verse 3 tells us it doesn't use words. It's doing something inaudible, something you can't hear. It's a proclamation that's made day and night over and over again, the heavens are proclaiming. The, the heavens is the language the Bible uses for the sky. The sky above is declaring a message loud and clear without a voice. And the message is this. The God is glorious. That's what's being proclaimed night and day above our heads and all around the world. Your God, our God, the one true God, He is glorious. The sky is telling you about the one who made the sky and he wants you to know by the way he has put something above your heads that God is absolutely astounding. God is absolutely amazing. The sky is his handiwork, literally the work of his hands. That is the enormous, vast expanse above your heads is the work of the hands of God. Do you, do you ever build things with your hands? I, I, I do ministry, so I, I, I don't work with stuff much, but for fun, I do. For example, yesterday, after months of work, this would take any of you that are actually good at this stuff, like no time, but for me, it took, we'll call it weeks, we'll be doing it, we'll call it weeks. I installed uh, a, a, cabin, a, a countertop that I've been working on that is 11 feet and 5 and 3 eighths inches long. And I'm so proud of this countertop. I got it installed, and I stood there and looked at the work of my hands. It is smooth. It is stained. 
It has got this really nice sealant that I used for the first time, and it's only slightly warped. <laughs> and then I walked outside and looked at God's handiwork. It's significantly bigger than 11 feet, 5, inch, five and 3 eighths inches long. God's expanse goes all the way around the world. You never get out of the sky. doesn't matter what rocket ship you take or airplane you take. You never go beyond it. It is everywhere and all around us. God is glorious. He is enormous. He is proclaiming a message that is spectacular about His own nature. Every day, each and every day is a speech. It's a sermon. It's, it is a, a proclamation. The king has brought everybody together. He's heralding, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Got to hear the message that your God is glorious. God's glory is on display each and every night. It says, there, day to day pours for speech, night to night reveals knowledge. What, what kind of knowledge is revealed each and every night by our God? The, the night sky has been captivating people from the very beginning of time, has it not? Flip through the Psalms, you see reference after reference to the stars and to the moon and the way that our hearts are just, there's just something stirred in us by the night sky. We in our you know, generation of electricity and nights, all different city lights, it's, it's dampened by some, in some ways, but still, even around here, you can see the stars, you can enjoy them. But just this week, Ligon was telling me about uh, their middle son, Hal, who works on a ship and that, that crosses the ocean. <laughs> so he gets to be out in the middle of nothing. And I just, man, what would I give for that? And he said that on the top deck, when they get above all the lights of the ships, you can look up in the star, and he says it's almost like there are more stars than black spaces between the stars. Wow. Wow. Let's see if I can catch a ride with him next time. If only our eyes could see it, there are billions and billions and billions of stars in the night sky. Our sun is just one of the medium-sized ones, and it just happens to be the closest. The next closest stars are light years away. I know you're probably all familiar with eighth grade science class, a light year is the distance that light can travel in a year. So it's not about time, it's a measurement of distance. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So if you take that distance over the course of a year, it's 5.88 trillion miles. So if you could get on some kind of ship that traveled at the speed of light, it would only take you four years and three months to get to the, nearest, the next nearest star. It's called Proxima Centauri or something like that, which is just Latin for near star. <laughs> it's a creative name, just to switch languages. So you could go see it. If you could travel that fast, just pack a lunch. It'll be four years that you're going to be riding to the nearest star. The farthest star that has been seen by, by our telescopes, by the Hubble telescope, March of 2022, it's named Arendelle. I, as a, as a frozen dad, for, you know, I hear that. It's spelled differently than that. It looks like Erendale. But anyway, 28 billion light years away. 28 billion light years away is the farthest star we, we've, we've, you know, pointed at. That's, I don't have a way to make that number more, less mind-blowing. 28 billion light years away. And because it's so far away, they have a hard time estimating the size. I, I mean, I, I'll give the scientists that, you know. We'll show them a little grace. So here's the, the range they pick. It's somewhere between 
50 and 500 times bigger than our sun. <laughs> Somewhere in that range. It's big and it's a long way away. What, what's the point of all that? Why, why would God put a night sky above your head every night? Every day it disappears, every night it shows back up for you to see more or less of it depending on the clouds. Why would God go to such lavish lengths to put that above your head? I mean, couldn't he have just like put a nightlight up there? Like, the moon would have been enough, and that's pretty incredible. The moon by itself. I didn't do a bunch of Googling on the moon, but you could, you could be amazed by the moon just by itself, just our nearest object out there. Well, if God went to such lavish lengths to put a whole bunch of stars out there that, that we probably will never, ever see, apparently the universe isn't about us. <laughs> apparently God was creating something that it's about more than just you and me because we're not going to even know the, the, the tenth of it, it seems. God was show, showing the world, showing everybody who would ever look up and feel really, really small that this galaxy, this world, what we have been put in is not about us. It's about Him. It's about His glory. The night sky, the message it's proclaiming to you is God is glorious and you're not God and neither am I. God's glory is on display for all to see. The smallness that we feel under the night sky is right and good. That is a good and glorious feeling to recognize He is big and I am small. The night sky as it describes and just proclaims God's enormity, God's size, God's vastness. It also proclaims His power because all of those things are being made by His hands, have, have been made, and are being held together by Him. So apparently, God is not only big, but He's really powerful. Really powerful feels very small language to describe all the billions of stars that He put up in the sky. He's holding them all together. He's keeping them all in order. He's keeping your heart beating and our earth spinning on its axis and our earth revolving around the sun and all the other planets and all the other stars. He's got all that in His control. So we probably can trust Him with tomorrow morning, right? <laughs> the sky, the night sky is proclaiming, look at all the things that I'm holding together without a sweat. God's not worried that He's going to forget about Arendelle or Proxima Centauri. He's got it. <laughs> so we can trust Him about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He's not going to forget you He's not going to leave one of his people and say, oh, I, I, for, I was too busy with Arendelle to deal with you. No, he's got it. He's, he's got great power. It's all in his control. The night sky is proclaiming God is glorious, and in his glory is great size, great power, great strength, great control. What is holding all that together? Well, gravity is. Who made gravity? <laughs> God did. God made it all hold together. It's not just the night sky that's pre preaching a message to you each and every day. It's the, the daytime as well. Day to day pours forth speech. There is a, a sermon being proclaimed every morning at dawn and every night at sunset and all day in between. God is preaching. He's proclaiming His message. And it's the same message. God is glorious. God is majestic. God's splendor is incomparable. There is nobody like Him. Nobody else has put a ball of gas and light in the sky and made planets revolve around it so that we get a sunrise and sunset. Nobody else can say they've done that. 
That's pretty unique. God alone gets to do that. And God is faithful. That sun that you may or may not have noticed this morning, it came up today. And it has the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that. And it's on a schedule. And the app on my phone will tell me what time it's going to come up. And it's never been late. It's amazing. I'm late everywhere. The sun is never late. It's proclaiming to us as every morning, gradually, the light breaks into the sky. And you know how cool it is. Anywhere you get to watch it, just slowly the sun hits the mountaintops and then hits the treetops, then hits your heads and hits your toes. It just gradually makes its way around the world. And as it does, day after day after day, we were reminded God is faithful, is He not? The one who created the sun to rise and set on a regular schedule according to His plan is the same God who has never been late. God has never missed an appointment. God has never shown up somewhere and said, oh, I was tied up doing something else. I would have been here sooner, but God is faithful. He is always on time. We may be knocked down by any sickness or exhaustion or unforeseen circumstances or car wrecks or any other things. May, we may go to bed thinking one thing and wake up and something has changed. Never happens to God. God is faithful. He knows exactly where He's going to be, when He's going to be, everything. He's always faithful. God is not fickle. God does not change depending on the weather. God is faithful. Neither the sun nor the way God created anything. God, God is, is faithful. He is changing things in the world, but He Himself never changes. God reminds us, like the sun, that He is good and He is life-giving. The only reason why our planet has life is that the sun shines on it. Without the sun, there would be no life here. God is bringing warmth and life to everything He touches. God gives physical life and he gives spiritual life does he not our our own emotions are dramatically shifted by daylight do you know this do you experience this if you spend too much time away from the sun there is something biological and emotional in you that changes we moved up to massachusetts for for seminary and i had not taken into account how much less sunlight there is in new england we got to december and it was like there's 15 minutes of daylight it seemed it wasn't really that short but it was like, where did the sun go? It was just up, and now it's gone again. We went to work in the dark. We came home from work in the dark. It was crazy. And I experienced there's something really called seasonal affective disorder, appropriately acronymed SAD. <laughs> I didn't make this up. I learned about it. It gets darker more, and your, your emotions, it, it, it changes you. you we, are, we are designed for that sun to give us emotional energy and life and all those things. And so it is with the Lord. When the sun comes up, we're reminded that God shines life on us. He shines breath on us. He gives us the energy and the joy that we so desperately need. God is the author of life and the offer of light. I added one more thing here from the sun because Lois came into my office, super bright. The, the sun was blinding this morning. And she said, jokingly, Dad, can you turn off the light? <laughs> Knowing I can't. It's the sun. I don't get to turn it off. I don't get to tell it what to do. God's in control, and I'm not. Amen, Lois. She knew it. The psalmist imagines the sun to be like the joy of a groom on his wedding day. He says, 
uh, in the end of verse 4, in them he has set a tent for the sun, talking about underneath the, the horizon, which comes out like a bridegroom, verse 5, leaving his chamber. It's the joy of, a wedding, of, of the wedding day for the bridegroom. He is so excited that in our culture, it'd be the moment after the, the bride and groom kiss and they turn and face out to the congregation and the officiant says, and now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so. That moment when, they, when they're walking out away is one of the most glorious moments in the ceremony, is it not? When everybody's coming in, everybody's all nervous and frantic and stressed. Believe me, I'm still on this side of a lot of them. Everybody's freaking out. But by the time you say, I've now pronounced you Mr. and Mrs., everybody takes a sigh of relief and there is the biggest smile in the whole ceremony is when you're leaving, right? Celebrating what has just been done and said. And so he pictures the sun like that. It is joyously going across the sky like a bridegroom on his wedding day celebrating with joy the task before him of rising and setting once more. He compares it again to a, to a strong man. He says, like a strong man runs its course with joy. A strong man would be like a, a warrior or an athlete, somebody who's been given a task. This is the job that I've been trained to do, and it's set before me, and I get to go do it today. I am joyously excited go, to go do my task. So it is the sun rising and setting. He is celebrating. The sun is rejoicing that he gets to do its job once more. He does it. It does it with joy and for our joy. Do you hear that? That our Creator, the sky that He has put above your heads, He wants you to have joy. He has created this. He has painted this before you so that you would get to experience the joy of your Creator. Can't help but think of Eric Liddell, the guy from the Chariots of Fire, who said, when I, when I run, I feel His pleasure the joy of doing the task before you. As I pondered the, the song, this psalm this week, I, I noticed all week how, how different the sky can be day to day. Can it not? Yesterday was probably the, one of the warmest days we've had yet and I stood out at a baseball game roasting, looking for shade, trying to get away from the sun any way I could because it was so hot. Just a, earlier the week before, it's Memorial Day, where we wanted it to be hot and it was raining. And I didn't go to the lake because I didn't want to freeze, right? We stared out the window. We've all stared out the window as a, uh, in broad daylight over the summer as a black cloud comes in and makes it almost dark and rain falls. We've all stood at a window at nighttime where lightning lights up the sky, where dark comes day for a moment and then goes back. With God, He doesn't change, but He brings variation. He brings changes so we can experience the creativity, the remarkable glory and beautiful diversity of our God who creates an untold number of different things all for His glory. All the variations across the sky display that our God is majestic in more ways than we could ever count. The sky is preaching to you day by day. And it's the same sermon, God is glorious, but in a different way every single day. The sky has a lot to tell us, so let me ask you this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Do you hear the message of the sky? Do you hear what God's creation is proclaiming? It's proclaiming God is glorious. Do you love the glory of God? Is it okay with you? Are, are you willing to say, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that, that God is glorious? 
Because so often we seek not his glory, but our own. We want the sky to proclaim, I am glorious. I am somebody special. But that's not what's written across the sky day by day. The sky day by day proclaims the one who put the sun in motion. He is the one to be praised. Are you hearing the message? Are you hearing the sermon preached by the sky each and every day? Are you tempted this summer to live in a way that is self-centered, living for your own world, ignorant of God's plans and God's glory? Then look up to the sky and listen. God is glorious. The world is a lot bigger than you, and it is all for God's glory. Are you tempted to doubt God? Are you tempted to doubt His power and His authority and His control? Are you looking ahead to the things that you're afraid of and wondering, is God going to be in that moment? Is God going to care for me? Is this going to be within God's plans? Is He somehow going to lose track of this thing going on? You can look to the sky, look up, and listen. God is in control. Are you tempted to doubt his faithfulness? That somehow he's, he's not going to continue to care for us? That he's going to be late? That he's going to be forgetful? Check your app. Look what time the sun's going to be supposed to rise up tomorrow and see if it's late. If it's late, you can doubt God's faithfulness. But I'll give you a hint. It's not going to be. Or your app's wrong. One of the two. God is glorious. He is joyous. He is happy. And He wants to share His joy with you. If you'll hear the sermon, if you'll hear His message, if you'll rejoice with our Creator that He has created all of this for our enjoyment. It says that He, verse 4, it goes through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There is no corner of our globe that the sun doesn't touch. God is proclaiming His message The sky above is proclaiming it all the time for all people. Nothing is hidden from it. Everything feels the effect of the heat of the sun. And so it is for all of humanity. We're all responsible because we've all heard the message. Whether you want to hear it or not, whether you're listening or not, we have all heard the message. The message is proclaimed in the sky day and night. Are we listening? Throughout human history, all different kinds of cultures and peoples have acknowledged the glory that is above them. But for people who do not hear the good word of God, as the rest of this psalm will detail, and I'll pick up in a different sermon some other time, the rest of the world that doesn't have the word of God, what do they do when they see the sun and the moon? They they see the glory and they bow down and they worship the sun and the moon and the stars. Culture after culture reveres the great power and majesty that they see up there and don't see the one who created it. We as Christians have been given God's word so that we understand who put that up there and recognize the voice, hear the one who is preaching, and worship not the creator, create creation, but the creator. We're called to worship the one who put all those things in place, and for all who do not worship him, we are responsible for our sin. First part of Psalm 19 sounds a lot like Romans chapter 1, 19 and 20, which says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without 
excuse. Everybody can see the power and the glory and the majesty of God. Everybody has heard the sermon. The question is, are we listening? Truthfully, apart from God's revelation, apart from God's word, we, we wouldn't get the message. We, we, we would have a really hard time just looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and figuring out our Redeemer, our Savior, what God has done for us. But praise God that that sermon is not the only sermon. God has given us a sermon day by day and night by night, but He has given us another voice. We hear about that voice in Luke chapter 3 when it says, The Word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness, and he went into the regions around Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it is written in the book of Isaiah the prophet, which says this, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley should be filled, every mountain hill should be made low. The crooked path shall become straight, the rough places shall become level, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Psalm 19.3 said there's no speech, there's no words, that the voice of the sky doesn't come with words. But God himself is the word who took on flesh. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. That Word is God Himself, the same author who put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky to preach to you, wanted to make sure that you and I didn't miss the message. We had been ignoring the sermon for far too long, and so that Word took on flesh. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This summer, are you listening to the sermon? Are you hearing the message of the sky? The one who put all those things in place wants you to hear God is glorious. So glorious that He came from the sky, from the heavens, to earth, to live and to die for you and me so that we could spend the rest of our lives, the rest of eternity, proclaiming the same thing the sun and the moon and the stars do. God is glorious. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sermons that you preach day and night. God, thank you for the rain you sent in the middle of the night. Thank you for the sun that rose once again. Thank you for the moon and the stars that will come out again tonight. God, you are gracious and wonderful and majestic. May we, this summer especially, be aware of just how wonderful you are. And may our lives reflect your glory. You've put us here, God, as image bearers, as ones who get to experience you and proclaim you with our lives. And so, God, we pray that we would not be outdone by the sun and the moon and the stars, that we too would proclaim a message that you are glorious. Lord, bless the each that have gathered here. Stir in our hearts. Keep us from smaller pleasures and smaller joys. May our awe and wonder in all the good things you give us, may it ultimately be poured back to you. May we be captivated by who you are. May we delight in you. And may we follow you in obedience. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.